Welcome to the Speak Your Way to Cash podcast, a podcast where we teach speakers how to land paid speaking engagements and corporate contracts. Each week, we deliver high-quality content that teaches you how to level up your speaking business. Be sure to join the Speak Your Way to Cash Facebook group after having your mind blown by this information-filled episode. Now, here's your host, Ashley Kirkwood, lawyer and professional speaker. This is the Speak Your Way to Cash podcast. Hello, it's Ashley Kirkwood with the Speak Your Way to Cash podcast. Super excited about our guest today, Darnielle. And I'm saying that right? Yes. Awesome. Okay, great. So I met her through a Facebook group for a community that we're both in. And she is a powerhouse, always dropping gems, full of knowledge. And y'all know me. I love folks who bring value. And I'm always bringing you the best, only the best for the Speak Your Way to Cash fam. So Darnielle, welcome so much to the show. We're so excited to have you. Thank you so much, Ashley. Hey, y'all. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what you do and how you're helping people all over the world now. Yeah. So I help service-based entrepreneurs who are at the six-figure mark that want to be at the seven-figure mark, get there faster than they ever could on their own. We have a strategic blend of spiritual coaching mindset and alignment and business growth strategy that skyrockets our clients, boosts their confidence and pads their checkbook, which is phenomenal and is allowing us to help people to shape the planet. And I'm excited to be here and I'm excited about the work that I do. I'm excited about the work you do, okay? And we just talk about that for two seconds. So those of you who are listening, you already know how amazing Ashley is, but I only just learned of her and I am just in awe to be in your presence and to get to share the space with you today. Awesome. So excited that you're here. Yeah, guys, it's going to be a good ride, okay? So pull close to your screens or if you're listening, make sure that you take notes, not if you're driving, but listen to all this good information. So I'm, I'm really excited about, you know, you always give value. That's how I found you. I basically hand select everyone who's on the show. But one of the things that I love is that you use speaking in a different way. So we talk a lot about different speaking models and selling from the stage is something that is a phenomenal model to you speaking for. And you've done that. You've done it exceptionally well. So can you talk a little bit about how that aspect, how your business intersects with speaking and how you're utilizing it now? Absolutely. So I remember once, uh, several years ago, I don't even know how many, but I was uh, speaking on a panel and the the host said, Darnielle, what's what's your your lead generator or, or what's the best lead generator? And I said, speaking. And the host was kind of like, that's not what I wanted you to say. And I'm like, that is the best if you ask me. So I've been speaking since I I was two. Bum, bum, bum. But um, <laughs> I've been speaking professionally since uh, 1999. And when I came out of corporate into entrepreneurship and was trying to figure out how I was going to do the work that I do, I realized that I'm an MC. I move the crowd. And so I knew speaking had to be part of it somehow, some way. And so a lot of people have marketing budgets where they appropriate, you know, X amount of thousands of dollars for Facebook ads or whatever the case might be. The way I would use my marketing budget was to get myself booked at national conferences to do breakout sessions. And I know that anybody who came to my breakthrough session chose me over everybody else who was doing a breakthrough session during that time. So they qualified themselves, self-selected. I would do my 45 to 60 minute talk and I would walk out with 100, 150, $200,000. And that's just been the way that I built my business. So I started there, Ashley. And then probably about maybe five years in, I took my own events to the next level. So initially when I first started, 
started doing events because I've always been a speaker. It was just a gathering place for people. It was a place to get people excited and motivated and you would leave and you're broke. Even you had a couple hundred people in the room, but yeah. you didn't know that you should be trying to sell these people something or helping them to take the next step. And so eventually I caught wind. I started attending enrollment events. And I was like, oh, look here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Attention. And I was like, oh, I think I'm going to try this. And then I, so I did that for many years. And the way we became a seven-figure company was through leveraging a live event. So still speaking, sharing my story, sharing my amazing content, filling the room with ideal prospects and then rolling them into high ticket programs. And so that's what I do. That's one of the ways I help my clients. I don't specialize in one way to grow your business like a lot of people do because I'm a business coach. I know business. I have an MBA. I don't care what kind of business you have. I can show you how to grow it. And speaking is likely going to be a part of that marketing mix because it is the most powerful way. If somebody fills the room with your ideal clients and you show up and shake it, if you shake it just right, you're going to leave with full pocket. And so I'm all about teaching people how to really master the speaking engagement, like on the front end before you even take the stage, how to maximize the time on the stage and what to do when you come down off the stage with your groupie line so that you can create the opportunities that are going to turn into your next clients. Okay. So basically she just dropped a lot of gems. So I don't know if you all caught all that, but don't worry. I'm going to unpack it. Don't even worry. Cause I know you're like scribbling with your pins. Like I missed it. I don't even understand. Did she just say $200,000 after an event? What's going on? So let's unpack some of that because I know that for one, you have an electric personality. And I know that because I have a similar personality. Like when I'm speaking, it's exciting. It's engaging. And a lot of my clients, when they say why they hire me, it's because of that draw that mm-hmm. they have. They want to know more. And so for people who are listening as to whether this model will work for them, I imagine some people are like, okay, number one, what does it take to do that? Because I think that people get caught up in the cash of it all. Like most people listen, speak your way to cash. Yes, I want the money. But there are some qualifiers along the way that I really want to make sure they understand. So when you're getting on stage and you're speaking to sell, which is what I call it, versus Mm -hmm. like someone's paying you to get on the stage, if you're speaking to sell, if you're an introvert or maybe don't have an ability to speak well or to persuade, what are all those pieces? So is it sales? Is it a speaking ability? What is it that's actually getting that groupie line filled? That's a good PowerPoint. Can I just keep it all the way real? Like, I mean, seriously, it, I mean, yes. Being eloquent, being poised, being charismatic, being able to capture attention, that is all a plus if you bring that to the table. But how many of you who are listening right now have ever been to an event where there was a boring behind speaker that you could have had a V8 the whole time that they're speaking? Now, there's some some of y'all are too young for that V8 analogy. Right. (laughs) I don't even know what V8 is. But yeah, no, seriously, like I never, when I first started speaking, I never wrote speeches. I always, I have a, it's my gift. I was born to use words to change lives, right? And so I would just get up, I would say what I would say, I would drop the mic and I would be out, but I was broke. Right, right. So yeah, the crowd was all hallelujah, amen. But my pocketbook was like, uh, if I'm gonna have to go home and eat these ramen noodles and peanut butter and jelly one more time, I'm gonna kill somebody. And so I had to learn how to position. So it's all positioning, it's all messaging. What you say when, so that you get the natural emotional connection with your audience so that the next best step for them is to take you home. 
Yeah. That is what we're after. And the way that that works is through understanding that it is technically all sales, right? It's, it's as honorable to sell as it is to buy. And so we've got to remove this barrier we have to getting out there and telling people that we can help them. Because that's all a sale is. It's saying, hey, I see your problem. I can fix your problem. Give me this money real quick and I'm going to hook you up. So that's yeah. all it is. And so within your presentation, I teach my clients. I have a I have a products that I used to, you know, focus on selling, which is called Speak the Incredible, that really walks through the 13 elements that you need to have inside of your talk in order to get the groupie line at the end. And the groupie line, I mean, it could be 100, 200 people in the room, but the 35, 38, 53 people that are waiting to shake your hand, give you their business card, tell you how much you meant to them, that is your money. And so I believe, Ashley, that there's no such thing as a free speaking engagement. The question is who's paying you, right? And so in your world, they keep you keynote or they pay you up front to come in and deliver your expertise to their audience, right? In yep. my world, I mean, I've done my fair share of corporate keynotes and all of that, but I don't want your little 5000 or $10,000 when I know I can create 250 if you just let me do my thing. And I can do it without ever selling you anything. That's all the beauty of the positioning and the presentation. So you've got, I'll, I can't tell you all 13 off the top of my head, but I'll tell you the ones that I can. You gotta have a, a, a powerful, introduction. From yep. the moment you open your mouth, you have got to capture and keep their attention. You don't want them on their phone unless they're tweeting you, unless they're dropping in your DMs. That's the you only can, way. You can move them to that. You don't have to wait for like, oh, I hope they tweet me. They're oh, absolutely to tweeting you. Like, all right, you got your phone to your hand anyways. I know you're tired. I know you've done this. Get that phone out. Take this picture. Right. Blah, blah, blah. So yeah, I think introductions are critical. Yeah, so that, I mean, and that's the first thing. That sets the tone. You have 4.9 seconds. In that 4.9 seconds, they're determining whether or not they're listening to you or they're scrolling. That's what they're trying to figure out. And if you don't maximize those five seconds, you're going to miss the mark and you won't. It doesn't matter if you had water in the desert, you will not be able to get them to buy it. So yeah. a powerful introduction. You have to position yourself and establish your credibility very early. Now, not a whole bunch of picture, like it doesn't have to be long and drawn out about this is my family. Three good bullets as to why you're the one they should be listening to right now. And as tangible as you can make them or not. Like I never was a flosser. Like, I mean, I have nice things. I like nice things, but I wasn't the girl who was like, let me put my red bottoms or let me let you know that I'm driving an X7. All of that until I realized that by doing those things, you capture people's attention. So yes, on my my opening slide, I have a picture of my 7,700 square foot home. I have a picture of my BMW X7 that costs more than some people make a year. Not because I'm trying to be ostentatious, but because I'm trying to establish credibility. And the way we establish credibility while is by getting on the level of our audience. And who who are you speaking to? Because I imagine like different rooms, you're gonna establish credibility different. Like, oh, let's, absolutely. So, like, um, like if I'm doing a national church conference, I feel like they may be real inclined by all of that, right? But then if I'm speaking to a room full of data scientists at like in Ohio, they're like, who's this pretty lady? You know what I mean? So like, who yeah. are you traditionally speaking to for these presentations? Yeah, I mean, my audience is varied. These days, I'm talking to entrepreneurs and small business owners because I don't do, I still run, well, I don't run it. I still own a corporate company that does corporate work, but I that's completely outsourced. I don't have anything to do with that because that's not my love. But you will be surprised. It doesn't matter where I go. When I show those pictures, like I show a picture of my pink Cadillac when I used to be in Mary Kay. 
Oh, yeah. No matter who the audience is, they are blown away by the fact that the woman who's at the front of the room had one of those pink cards. So you have yeah. to identify what are going to be the credibility images that you show, but it, it's they're going to transcend the room because it doesn't matter because it's it's saying, I know sales because I speak on systems, sales, and support, like the things that you need to scale. That's what I speak about. So when I'm speaking on sales to drop the pink Cadillac photo, it's a big deal. Oh, it, it is because only 2% of the people actually ever get it, but everybody wants one. And so you find those things and that's part of your establishing your credibility. You also can't just tell them the mountaintop story. You got to tell them the down in the valley story. And so you got to position your story in a way where you show them that you're on the come up and you're on the come up because you did the things that you're now going to teach them that you're doing. That's why they pay attention because right. it's, it's something powerful. President Barack Obama's book, The Audacity of Hope. Yeah. Hope. Well, you can write, y'all can write this down and take this to the bank. Hope will sell more of your programs than anything else but you have got to position the hope. And so that's another thing you got to do. You got to make sure that you're identifying the pain and then pulling on the pain. And so you got to make sure that the stories that you tell, that the scenarios that you share are about where they are right now. And sitting in the space of uncomfortability, wondering whether or not they should, like for entrepreneurs, should they be looking for a job? Because many of them are out here acting like they got six and seven figure businesses and they are one client away from bankruptcy and they really are on online. And so you have got to do your due diligence even before you show up wherever you're speaking to know about who you're speaking to so that your stories are relevant to them. If I were going in to speak in corporate America and I'm giving strategies that is entrepreneurial, unless the person, the reason they brought me in is because they want their leaders to think more entrepreneurially, it's all going over their head. So I have to right. dig back into my recesses of corporate America and remember what happened then to make sure that my stories are relevant. You need to demonstrate your expertise if you can through, you know, a hot seat, a one-on-one, -on -one, a quick Q&A, like ask people questions, take them and help them to get a different result really, really quickly. That's an important part of a talk if you want people to enroll, right? And you've got to show lots of case studies. And those case studies, it can be your own story. They could be your client's story. It can be, you know, almost think like before and after is like the, you know, the really chunky person and then the very spelt person, yeah. like side by side, that kind of stuff. And then something else that you have to do that's really powerful that I don't think people do enough is you have to invite your audience to partner with you so that they feel like they're on a journey that is not much different than their own journey instead of listening to you talk about what you've been through and how you got here. And that is all PowerPoint slides. It's all cues and cursors inside of your presentation. So when I what I would tell anybody who's listening that wants to speak and enroll through speaking is stop winging it. You need a presentation. I don't care if your presentation is filled with slides of pictures of ponies and every pony cues a different story or tip in your mind. You need to stay on track because all 13 of these elements, you have to do them if you want the stampede at the end. And that's even yeah. when I go somewhere, Ashley, and I cannot blatantly say my program is X amount of dollars, please meet me in the back of the room to buy it. 
I get the groupie line no matter where I go because I do the 13 elements every single time I speak. Even in a virtual environment, I do it. It's as with anything else, it's a skill that we can learn. So even if you're an introvert, you can learn this. Even if you say a lot of ums and you're nervous and you have to stand behind the podium, guess what? You can do it too because it's a system as with anything else. And if you understand the system, you can use the system to create success and make that success predictable. Yeah, that's really good. And for those of you listening who are like, I'm not selling from the stage because most of the folks that I work with aren't. They're doing like six-figure corporate licensing deals, five-figure deals with companies, but... It always should be, we talk a lot about customer mapping in the Speak Your Way to Cash journey. The only way you're going to map your customer to the next result and to your next invoice (laughs) is if you're taking them on a journey. So even if they are paying you to get on stage, you need to be utilizing some of the elements that have been discussed today to ensure that they stay engaged, they stay interested. Because for most people who are true experts, there's always a next step. So people reach the pinnacle and then you're done with them. No, there's typically always a next step, particularly with corporate organizations that always have a a turnover of employees. So every single time you speak, no, you may not be quote unquote selling at the end to all of their corporate employees, but sometimes you are. Sometimes it is an executive package. Sometimes there are some different things that you can do and you still want their employees to be engaged with you, excited about you and ready to follow you personally, whether they stay at the company or not. Because a lot of engagements have come from folks who saw me at one company, they left, and then they tell their new employer, we need to bring her in. Yeah. And I would argue and say that every single time you're speaking, you are selling, you are enrolling for the next thing. Because for everything you just said, right? If we think linearly, we think about only that gig, we're doing ourselves and our clients a disservice because it's a progression. There's always something that's every solution creates a new problem. And so you, every single time you take the stage, you're re-enrolling them into why they hired you this time and why they're going to bring you in next year and everybody's going to be excited about you coming back or they're going to open up to a longer term engagement or having you develop a specific program for them. Every single time you open your mouth, you're enrolling. And if you start to think like that, then it just creates an opportunity for you to always make sure that you're positioning yourself and the problems of your clients so that you are the solution. And you're just going to make more money. I mean, it's just simple math, guys. So like if every time you do a presentation or a pitch to a corporate officer, you're offering them your six-figure package, they always have somewhere to go, even if they buy five pieces of it and not the whole shebang up front. So I, I love that. I have a sales background. So before law school, I did sales. So I, I think everyone's a salesperson. We all are. I say all the time. People may not want to buy. Right. You think you are a marketing and sales person, period, point blank. Yeah, no, you definitely are. I mean, it's just, it it is what it is. I mean, you could sell against yourself or you could sell for your business. I don't know why people, I think people are getting over though that fear of selling. I think most people are just, they don't have the language to make the engagement work, which is why I think what you said about PowerPoints giving you cues to do certain things is so helpful. Because once you have that language, you have those cues, you're able to do the right thing every single time at the right time. So that's really, really helpful. Now, where are you finding these events? Because I imagine a lot people are like, okay, I'm sold. I should be getting on stage to sell. I should be growing my business in this way. But where do I find, particularly now, virtual events with a large enough audience where at the end there can be a transaction that is transformative? Is that 
Is it JV partnerships now? Are they all webinars? Are you still partnering with large associations? How have you found that pivot to be and what should they be looking for now? Yeah, all of that. They're all of that. So prior to COVID-19, there were approximately 4,100 events that happened every single day in the United States right? Since COVID-19, it has doubled. (laughs) There are 8,300 events every single day in the United States and all of them need speakers. So there, you know, there are lots of different ways to find out about the events that are going on. There are tons of listservs and digests and all of that kind of stuff. The biggest thing that you want to figure out is who is your ideal client, right? And where are they and or who is gathering them? And that might be a potential JV. Like it sometimes, I haven't done it in a while, but I've sponsored, I've paid to speak at events. If I know that the audience had a, you know, amazing skin in the game to be there and I could spend 5,000 or 7,500 to get on stage, to get in front of my most ideal clients and just position myself to be able to make the sale later, it's worth it to me because I know that what I sell I only need to sell one to have made it worth it, right? And I'm still coming out ahead. But these events are everywhere. They're everywhere. I mean, one of my favorite tips that I tell people that are new to getting started and looking for opportunities to speak is just go to Eventbrite. Most people, even I, I do my own events. I post them on my own websites. We still post it on Eventbrite just because Eventbrite is a marketing engine. And we always get people we didn't even know who show up at our events. So once you identify the events, now ideally you want to go out from, you want to be looking out nine to 12 months in advance because that's when event hosts are picking their speakers. You want to make sure that you have whatever your speaker marketing kit is, it's developed and it's ready to go. There should be an electronic digital version of it as well as an online, I mean, offline version of it. And you want to start positioning yourself, which you don't want to do. At least this is not what I recommend to people is do not just send your speaker one sheet to people in a blind environment. No, you need to go research the event. What is the event about? What kind of people are speaking? Who spoke last year? The person who's held your spot last year, what did they speak about? And how can you either speak to the next level of that or the contrarian viewpoint of that? right? What's the theme of the conference? Because if you just throw your speaker one sheet out there without any regard to the event and what they're trying to accomplish, you're not going to get picked. <laughs> yeah, those one sheets, man, they'll get you in a lot of trouble. First off, I don't even think they are effective, but no, that's a whole other story. If you're just getting started and you have to do a one sheet, I totally understand that. You know, we'll talk about that later. Go listen to the podcast to figure out what works better. But I will say this, one of the things that I think people take for granted is that they can actually just, you could do video pitches, but I wanted to go back, so I'm getting off track. We can go there all day. Here's what I wanted to say to you guys. Make sure that you're qualifying the events that you pitch to for yourself. I find that a lot of speakers are like, oh, I got to pitch to all these different events to speak because I need to speak. But in reality, you don't want to give up your power that easily. Wherever I speak, I'm going to show up and crush it. Right. It's a bummer for them. Let's be real. Right. <laughs> like, Absolutely. I every engagement because I don't, they don't, every engagement does not deserve to have me on their flyers, to say that I'm affiliated, to say that I'm with them, to tell their people I'll be there because people know there's a certain standard that I bring every time I speak. So if you are just pitching blindly, that means you're not qualifying the audiences and the stages that you're going to get on. And that could be very damaging to your brand. Because when I Google speaker and I see their last five engagements were these little cheap engagements, these little cheap flyers doing cheap things, I'm just like, okay, not a serious candidate for this. Because I don't let everyone speak at my events. I'm just like, Hey guys, I want to come in really quickly and tell you all about the Speak Your Way to Cash course. 
This course is for speakers who are looking to consistently book paid speaking engagements. In short, if you are ready to speak your way to cash, this is the course you need. There are over 17 modules, you heard that right, 17, that cover getting clarity in your speaking career, branding through the press, a seven-figure sales panel, selecting your niche and finding engagement, selling your signature speech and building it out, onboarding and offboarding clients, implementation and taking it to the next level. And then let me tell you about the 10 bonus trainings that encompass the 17 trainings that you're gonna get. The bonus trainings cover things like branding as a speaker, the best tools for finding engagements, determining whether a topic is viable, speech writing for success, speaking techniques, self-publishing for speakers, sales success, landing association and college clients, navigating the conference market, and so much more. You even get the exact pitch templates that I use to land college clients over and over again and the press pitch templates that I use. So look, you can get this course by going to ashleynicolekirkwood.com slash S-Y-W-T-C course. ashleynicolekirkwood.com slash S-Y-W-T-C course. Or just enter Ashley Kirkwood Speak Your Way to Cash course in Google and it should come right up. Thanks guys for listening. Let's get back to this interview. That's so, so gold, Ashley. And I wish more people would learn that. I remember years ago, um, a person was like, I'm just speaking anywhere they'll have me. And I was like, Mm. okay if that's what you want to do right because busy does not mean paid and so we have to be clear that it needs to they need to deserve your presence and i've done the same thing like i think the only time i make an exception for events like if a if a client is having something regardless i'm like you want me i'll come like it doesn't matter those that's the only time where i'm like no matter what but at the same time i'm like okay well let's make sure we do everything in our power so that this event is going to be extremely successful but we do we have to be requiring we have to realize that our brands are much more powerful than i think we even see them see them as and that's part of our challenge that's why in my work i spend so much time on mindset and on god and how god sees us and helping people to see themselves the way that god has always seen them so that they can stop going for the falling for the okie doke and instead rise up into their power and require more from people who want them. Like, yeah. I'm like you, like, I'm not showing up everywhere. Not, not these days. Cause I don't have to. No, you I don't, don't, need, I don't to. need no exposure. <laughs> exactly. You don't have to. And it's also just like what you said about power is so important. I talk to my audience a lot about staying in your power seat and I find that we give it away so easily. It's just like, Oh, it's a big opportunity. So I have to hurry up and do this. And also you made a great point that busy doesn't mean paid. And guess what? Cute does not equal cash. So all those beautiful stages, that doesn't mean that that audience has paid enough money to be there so that they're well qualified. So when you look at this selling from the stage, I know this is something that you consider. What did they pay to get in the room? Because that is a huge qualifier. I have paid exorbitant amounts of money to go to certain events because I just wanted to be in the room with other people that drop 10K for a day, that drop 15K for a weekend. And so it's important that you're qualifying your audience you don't want to speak to any and everyone like that just it makes your leads horrible like you don't know who you're talking to or where their mindset is or where their um, business is and where it's going to and so I just find we give we give away too much power it's so interesting that we're having this conversation I've had this conversation three times in the last three days with different people about this need to recognize our power and this need to 
really rise up into a, a space where we understand just how valuable we are. And, and from that space, like I talk a lot about or your vantage point versus your vision point, right? Most people are making decisions based on where they are right now versus making decisions by where they should be or where yeah. they desire to be, right? And so in your speaking business, when you think about your brand, the personification of your brand and what you want your brand to be on the planet, you need to make decisions from the standpoint that you're already there, even though you may not be. Yeah. And when you do that, the opportunities that you say yes to, that you allow yourself to participate in, will get you closer to the personification of the vision that you have for what you desire for your brand. But most people don't do that because we live in this hustle and grind and I just need to be seen and exposed and busy and like, yeah, no, I would much rather almost any day of the week be on the couch cuddled up with my fine husband than speaking at some little janky event because it was the right thing to do and everybody's going to be there. No yeah, man, honestly, I've never regretted saying no to anything in my life. I've yeah. only regretted saying yes to things. And yes. when I realized that and took inventory of it, it was like, oh, I'm about to get heavy on nose to things that do not align with what I have going on. And in the online space, particularly, it can be so much noise, even well-intentioned noise. And it's hard to figure out what is it that you actually want? Because I, when I first started speaking, I would hear people like, oh, I did a hundred engagements. And so when I first started, it was like, all right, I'm going to do these 50 engagements a year. Like that's the goal. And, and that was not the goal. The ultimate goal was how can I impact lives? How can I make a ton of money? Because I left a great corporate salary. Like I was not leaving my $300,000 corporate salary to live this struggle bus entrepreneur life. It just was not for me. So it was like, if they're paying me 300, I have to be worth at least multiple seven figures. So we're going for that. How do we do that? It just, but I had to get out of that. What everyone else says you're supposed to do, like doing all the engagements, doing all the things. You don't have to do that. You could license one speech for 50K a year, get five clients on it and be just fine. And after you have the money, then you get into the ministry and everything else and you right. have to do it. You can serve from abundance. Right. And so many people who've applied for my training, actually, which you know about that application process, they talk a lot about what they want to do in terms of helping people. It's never um, an income driven goal. It's always I want to help a lot of people. And they think that the way that they help is by serving at the lowest level because right. they don't want people to have to come right. up for it. What would you say to the person that's like, I like speaking because I want to help people. I can't get my mind to shift to making money from offering them an experience to work with me at the end because they see it as selling. What would you say right. to that person? Yeah, I would say then you really don't want to help people. Like, I mean, let's just keep it all the way real. You need money to help people. You, unless you are starting a nonprofit organization, which has funding from government assistance, you need money to do whatever it is that you want to do. And the first person you need to help is yourself and your family. Yeah. Right. And so we have to, I said it earlier and I'm going to underscore it again. It is as honorable to sell as it is to buy. And sales gets even better when you look at sales as service, right? Let's use a yeah. restaurant. We've all been to a restaurant. Have you ever, if you're listening right now or you're listening to the replay, if you've ever been to a restaurant and the food was the bomb.com, the waiter or waitress was so anticipatory. They brought you another drink when you were only halfway finished your current drink. They brought, you wanted more bread? They brought you you more bread. They brought you just slid you an extra dessert just because it was amazing. You were well served. And in that instance, did they not hand you a bill when the service was over? So stop saying that I want to be of service and I got to help. 
Yeah, you help people by requiring them to invest in themselves to get access to the solutions that they haven't been able to get access to on their own. People are paying you to solve a problem they can't solve on their own, period. And we do ourselves and we do others a disservice to have the solution to the problem and to either A, give it away for free or B, keeps our our mouths shut because we're afraid. Listen, the other thing that we have to do is we have to detach because I don't care who my next client is. I don't, I talk to people all the time, right? All the time. We have people applying for our programs all the time. And I'm never like, oh, oh, Ashley, Ashley, Ashley says she's going to sign up. Let's just call Ashley every day until she signed. No, listen, I would love to work with Ashley. This is just an example, but I mean, if, if it's so for a stuff, I would love to work with you. Right. But the thing is, I'm not hell bent on it being Ashley. I'm ready to work with whoever is ready to step into the seat to experience extreme transformation through me. And so when we are able to pull up on our value, our power, our expertise, and what it is we bring to the table, then we stop thinking that we are doing people a service by giving that away for free. Those of you, I'm, this is probably going to be raw and out of pocket, but I'm going to say it because it popped into my head. Those of you who have children, little girls specifically, do you want your little girl giving her cookies away for free? <laughs> No, ma'am. No, sir. So why are you giving yours away for free? Like, we just, we need to stop. We call ourselves entrepreneurs, but then we want to be volunteers. Like, there's a difference. Now, if you want to establish a nonprofit, Ashley said it best. Go make your millions and then set up the nonprofit, then create the ministry. But it is not inappropriate to have a ministry focus and to be well paid. Listen, everything I do is for God. Everything. I have fully surrendered. He is the CEO of my company, but we cash big checks. And we cash big checks because he said I should cash big checks in Deuteronomy 8 and 18. And so because he said that, he didn't just give me the power to create it, but because he gave me that power, I'm walking in it because it's what he said for me. So stop hiding behind God, ministry, whatever, and do the work that you are meant to do and do it in a way that affords you to actually be an example to those people. Because here's the thing, Ashley, those of you who are listening, you cannot be the change you want to be if you have no influence or impact. That's the fact. I have influence if you are broke. Like, think about it. You may have been to the church that was meeting in someone's home that was scraping together tithes, that had to close, that you couldn't get a good word. Like, you've been to that place, but you may have also been to, like, the potter's house. <laughs> like, it's, an, it's the same God. It's an entirely different experience. It's all about your vision point versus your vantage point. And so you just have to make a decision and say, listen, I know who I am. I know whose I am. I know that I am brilliant. I am one of the best who ever did it. And in order for people to access this, it is going to cost. I remember when I was in Mary Kay, the national's husband said, we we did this exercise and they said, what would your dollar bill say? And and it's, and they said, mine would say, in God, we trust all others must pay. And I agree with that. (laughs) Like like it's, we are doing people a disservice to give it away for free. We need to require more. And the, the crazy thing is, What we find, what I found when I did this, Ashley, if I can make it about me, is whenever I did it for free and then I would turn around, that person went and hired somebody who charged some ridiculous amount of money. Like whether it was in the corporate space, like I remember my very first opportunity to speak. I was so excited. I was so wet behind the ears, but I was so excited that they chose me off of the the website of all of the directory of the speakers. And I told them that my fee was $500, which... 
I was fresh off of corporate. At 30 minutes of my time for $500, that sounded like a lot. I didn't know anything yet, right? And the guy was so excited to talk to me when I told him $500, he was like, we'll get back to you. I just knew I had the gig. He never called me back. I ended up calling him back and he said, we went with someone else. And the person we ended up hiring, their fee was $5,500. And so we told ourselves that they must be way better than you because they valued themselves at $5,500. I learned a valuable lesson that day. The guy said, I really like you. And I'm, we'll be doing this event again next year. I'm going to give you a call next year. Now, I went and learned what I didn't know. So when he called me the next year, like he did, I picked up the phone. Hey, Mr. Taylor, Danielle, we're having the event again. We still believe you would be great. We want to bring you out. Now I said, what's your budget? He told me his budget was 7,500. My next question was, will you have other speakers? He said, no, it's just you. Is that 7,500, my third question, inclusive of the travel? No, we have an additional $1,500 for travel. Listen, Mr. Taylor, because you called me back, this is what I'm gonna do. My speaker fee is now $10,000, but I wanna honor the fact that you are giving me another opportunity, so I'm willing to do it for $7,500 plus travel. The year before, my fee was 500 stinking dollars because I didn't know the value that I had, even though he could see my value. How many of you are doing that right now where you are stepping over dollars to pick up pennies because the pennies are the pennies are more comfortable to you? Stretch yourself. Well, the comfortable piece is the real piece. A lot of people I find I, this, I do not mean to offend. First off, a couple things. So yeah, so you want to make sure you're serving from abundance, but then two, price is perceived value. So a lot of companies will not pay for a cheap speaker because they perceive that you don't know what you're doing. If right. the entry rate at bottom is $7,500 and you're only charging 3000 they just won't hire you just off that alone. There was one organization we had a speaker on and he was like, the company told him if he would have said anything less than $20,000, they would have had to go with another speaker. Just mm-hmm. because it didn't make sense for their budget and they would have thought that he was an amateur. Right. So your price says something about the quality. Like you want to, you want to be very mindful of that. You definitely want to make sure that you're mindful of that. And then three, sometimes, not to offend anyone, well, maybe this will offend you. It's fine if it does. A lot of people serve at a low level because they don't want to come up. They don't want to be accountable to excellent service. Ooh, so you that's so sure good. you're not serving at a low level because you don't want to be accountable to excellence. And you hide that behind, oh, I just want to serve those in need or I just want to serve those. No, you have a low standard for your own excellence. And so you want to serve at a low level because you know that if you give it away for free or for cheap, they can't require much of you. Girl, I want to throw my shoe at you. You (laughs) went, if they do require much of you, you complain about it all day. A lot of people, especially those who are serving individuals who can't necessarily pay them, complain a lot, but it's like you chose to serve that population. And it's not always from a place of holiness. It's from a place of, I don't want to live up to a high standard of excellence. So I'm just going to serve people who can't require more of me because I don't think more of them. That's the truth. So you need to look yourself in the mirror and make sure you're not imposing your own limiting beliefs, your own lack of effort on your audience. Because I find that all the time and particularly with women who hide behind like, oh, I just want to serve. I just want to help. Whenever you just don't want to be great. And so you don't want to have great clients because you don't want to be great yourself. And be careful because if that's you, you'll never achieve greatness in this life. You just won't. So where you're at is where you'll always be unless you change that mindset. That is so good. And I hope I hope some people just got their whole life, their, what do they say now? Edges snatched and <laughs> toes stepped on, whatever. Because that is so good and so true, Ashley. It is. That is why, oh my gosh. Listen, I'm, I need to have you on my podcast now. We need to have a conversation, like continue this conversation just about that. Because yeah. it really is. It is, oh my gosh, that is so it. Yeah. 
it is so it. And you're right. And yes, you are right. So semi-correct myself on, yes, you can have influence and be broke, but your influence is not going to carry the weight of the mantle that you have been given to stand on if you are operating from that space, because people are going to be able to smell a mile away that you're not operating in abundance and you're speaking something other than the alignment of who you truly are. So it will not carry as far as it would have if you were serving from a space of alignment yeah. and influences based on your abundance, which is your birthright, by the way, because you were you came here abundance and then you met your family. And then you learned about fear and lack and all of those things that shipped away at the light and the abundance that you were when you came into this earth. And so it's about getting restored to that place. And part of that restoration is everything that Ashley just said and realizing that there is a call to excellence. You, every single one of you, you're God's most prized possession. He did not, I remember we used to have this speaker that came when I was in corporate, Louis Timberlake. And he used to say, God did not have time to make a nobody, only a somebody. The fact that you are here is because you are greatness personified. But you are, like Ashley just said, choosing not to be great, which is such a disservice. Like, it's like telling God he didn't need to create you. That's what I think. It's like spitting on him and say, you can keep that. Like, that's crazy. Who would ever say that to God? But that's what we say when we belittle our genius and we show up in a way that does not allow us to be the greatness that we need to be in that hour. Yeah, and I mean, it's very hard to serve on a high level when you're charging on a low level because then you're burnt out and you can't create opportunities. Like, it is a blessing to be able to have full-time employees, to be able to have part-time employees, to be able to hire, to be able to give other people opportunities that they can grow their families upon. Like that is a blessing and not everyone necessarily is gonna even take that step to do that. But if you feel, if you even feel a little bit like there is more for me in this life than there is and you should go for it. And I don't know why we prevent ourselves from going for it, but you were, you also talked about hope earlier. If you are someone who provides a transformational experience and you can talk about it in a way that gives people hope, they are going to buy. Now the accountability comes in and the ethics comes in and the integrity comes in for you to take them, not just from that emotional experience that got them to buy, but actually steward them through the full transformation. Oh, as long as you're not a scam artist, there's nothing wrong with selling. If you are, that's the problem. But right. if you really can do what you say you can do, then you're doing people a disservice by not inviting them to work with you. Yeah, agreed. It's such a a slippery slope, if you will, unfortunately. I think it's cut and dry. I feel like you think it's cut and dry, but we have all of these layers of our upbringing, the things that we learn, the stories we're telling ourselves, our limiting beliefs, how we self-sabotage, what our subconscious mind thinks versus what our conscious mind thinks. Like all of this stuff is in the way, but it is really easy to understand. And so we need help navigating. So that's why I'm excited that people have you and your programs and how you're working with them to help them to rise up. Just the same as people have me in the way that I work because we need more people like us willing to tackle these difficult topics, call people on their stuff and yeah. push them into the greatness that they were born to be. Like that is really what it's all about. And that is how we do work that shakes the planet and invites people to experience transformation at the next level. Yeah. And I mean, you've worked with a lot of business owners who've gone from six to seven figures. So what would you say is the biggest mindset shift that they had to overcome in order to get there? What's the biggest thing that they that you've seen as a reoccurring theme in your clients? Yeah, I mean, the you know, the biggest thing, honestly, is worth, self-worth and believing. Like, this is the way that I always explain it, Ashley. So when we're born, you know, we are born vessels of light. Our first seven years of living is when our conscious mind is formed. So we're only born with the subconscious mind. 
right? And everything we take in gives us our conscious indignation of the things that we're going to do in this planet. And so most of us, we freeze frame at age seven and we grew up like we're like, I just turned 45, right? So we're 40 whatever years old today, but we are still the seven-year-old version of ourselves that took in all of the crap and those tapes are playing constantly. And so the one time that your mom was mad at your dad and said, you're not going to amount to anything just like your no good father, that's still playing, right? The one time that you watched your mom rob Peter to pay Paul and she said, this is just what you have to do to make it, that's still playing. All of that is still playing. You're this grown behind adult <laughs> trying to figure out why you are always robbing Peter to pay Paul and you don't have any money left over and all of these things is because those tapes are still playing. So the biggest thing that we have to help people to break through is the stories they've been telling themselves. And the thing is, it's so it's the stories they've been telling themselves and then it's recognizing the importance of surrender. Like none of us have any control over anything. We are just the steward. Like you're not really the CEO of two companies. Like you're just the steward of two companies that God gave you the will and ability and skills to run and to run to the point of multiple millions, right? And so when we, we learn about the importance of surrender, when we learn about the importance importance of forgiveness, because that's the other thing. The forgiveness is the one, it really jacks us up. And like, yes, you may have success. Let me put my fingers in the air. But you will not have real success until you forgive. Because, I mean, the Bible says it. You can turn to any mountain move, and it'll move, but verse 26 of Mark chapter 11, which people always forget, it says, but you got to forgive first before this mountain will actually move. And so some people aren't in seven figure businesses just because they are cantankerous spirits that refuse to forgive the person who doesn't even remember what they did to them when they was three years old. And I'm not saying call the person up and say, I forgive you. No, forgiveness is for you. It's not for them. It's so that you're not kept from the things that you want. But anyway, to answer your question, it's all wrapped up into this worthiness. And do I deserve it? Am I worth it? And it shows up in the way I charge, the clients I take on, what I allow people to say and do to me. It shows up in all of these different things, but it's all worthiness. And it's all based on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Every single one of us is asking, do I matter to anyone, right? And is someone gonna help to make sure that my needs get met? And because we struggle with the answer to those questions, we have worthiness issues and those worthiness issues just spill out onto everybody else that we come into contact with. And it mostly impacts our money and our ability to have enough to do the things we really want to do. Yeah, and just being honest about what we actually want. Like I've never, and my husband brought this up last night because we were talking about an issue with someone who had um, mindset issues around money. And and he was like, well, you wouldn't know because you've never had that. And I was like, had what? And he was like, you never had issues around you having a lot of money. You've never thought that you didn't deserve it. You grew up seeing a lot of money. My dad had a multi-million dollar business growing up. We've always had money. So he was like, you don't, you never dealt with like, do black people deserve to have great wealth? Is that how it looks. Will it be okay for me? It was always just an issue of when, not if. It's like, okay, right. this is what you do. That's how you, and then especially I have a child and that blows my mind. Like I have a kid. I can't not be successful. I'm not going to have lack in her life because I see from the different upbringings that are around me, from my friends and family, the people who grew up with their parents having provision assume certain things about life that help them to move forward. 
Yeah. So you're not going to have to wonder, can I join tennis? It's going to cost a lot. Can I travel to, to Brazil on the school trip? Can mommy afford it? Can daddy afford it? Like those thoughts never cross my mind. But when I think about studying abroad, just so this is a basic example, I studied abroad every year in college. Mm-hmm. I, I never even thought about the cost of it. And my parents are probably watching this cringing like she never got it. <laughs> but like, I never, like I was just, that was not a thing. And when I talked to my husband about studying abroad, he was like, well, you know, the finances of it and this and that. I was like, finances? Somebody will pay for it? He's like, no, that's not how it works. So you do want to think through like, sometimes you just need some personal development. I still, I go to therapy. I have coaches for everything now, productivity, health, everything, but business. But you want to make sure that those moments in your younger years really don't keep you from Mm -hmm. your greatest self. Like there's people who need you to level up so they can level up. Yeah. Absolutely. So true. And it, I mean, it is relative, right? Because even entitlement about money is a inappropriate relationship with money. And so it shows up differently. It doesn't take on the, the lack perspective, but it, it does create a relationship with money that may not actually be real that you have to contend with. And so it's all relative. And so it doesn't matter which side of the fence that you played on. It is still impacting the way that you show up today as an adult and the way you see your worthiness. And that's the the bigger issue that we need to, especially amongst women. I mean, even though I see it with my male clients as well, but especially amongst women really struggling with the, do I deserve for someone to pay me this kind of money? And I think I recognize it because as they say, game recognizes game. I used to be the same way. Like I did not wake up like this. You know, people are always applauding me on like, I just love the passion with which you speak about money and da, 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 da. Yeah. I was born in the projects. I mean, like I could go on and on and on about my story and the things that happened and all the work I did, personal development, sitting on a therapist's couch, sometimes multiple times a week and, you know, all of that stuff to shift and to become woke and to understand abundance and that I am entitled to it just because I live here. Just because I live on the planet Earth, I deserve abundance. And and sitting with that, because there have been times when I'm like, I can't charge that much. I love what you said about you sitting on the therapist's couch, doing your work. Doesn't matter what side of the, the fence you were born on. You can change these things. Like oh, you absolutely. Your mindset, your thoughts. You can be conscious about it. You can change your empathy levels. All of this can change. So yeah. this is really helpful. For those who are listening who are like, okay, I'm convinced. I need to sell from the stage. I want to learn more about working with you and about the things that you offer. Where should they be going? Yeah, I would tell you probably the best place to go is workwithdarnielle.com. That takes you to an application where you can learn about our programs and see whether or not um, it's the call on your heart, right? I'm really big into working with the people who are ready to experience next level everything, right? I fancy myself, other people call me a business coach, but I'm really going to transform every area of your life. You will not be the same, except you'll have the same name. Everything else is going to be different if you let me into your space. And if that doesn't scare you, if that spurs you on to want to learn what it looks like to be able to experience next level everything to become a better spouse, a better parent, a better human, a better CEO, then go to workwithdarnell.com and let's see whether or not we could be a good fit to do some planet shaking together. And then we'll talk about from there how I can help you to do what you want to do at the next level. All right. Awesome. Well, you all heard it here first. And then also, if you all are interested in building out your five or six figure corporate offer, you can always go to ashleynicolekirkwood.com slash apply and apply for our private training, especially for speakers who are thought leaders and experts. This has been an awesome episode. Darnielle, thank you so much for joining the Speaker Ready Cash family. And I will see you guys next time. 
All right, wasn't that interview amazing? If you're anything like me, you have pages full of notes. But here's the thing. Before you head out, I want you to go to Facebook.com and join the Speak Your Way to Cash Facebook group. That is where I am. That's where a ton of other speakers are, a ton of other people who listen to the show. All We all congregate there and chat. And it's 100% free. Now, if you're ready to take your speaking career to the next level, I have two ways for you to do that. One, you can go to AshleyNicoleKirkwood.com slash SYWTC live replay and pick up the live replay. That training is seven modules, chock full of information. It's crazy. Go over there, read all about it. Or if you want a more personal experience, you're already, you already know that you want to be a speaker. You're ready to fully commit and you want someone to walk you through it and save you tons of time Googling and doing it on your own, then book a VIP day with me. You can go to AshleyNicoleKirkwood.com, scroll down until you see the VIP day section and get more information on that there. All right. Thank you guys again for watching. Please do not forget to leave us a review. That is how we keep this train rolling and get some of the best speakers in the world to get on this show. So please, please, please leave a review. Shoot me a message on Facebook or Instagram and Facebook in the Speaker Way to Cash group, Instagram at, at the Ashley Nicole Show. And I'd be more than happy to chat with you and say hi. All right, y'all have an awesome, awesome day. <laughs>